Listening to the Full Sport Press podcast, featuring hosts Jay Hove, Chef Wheezy, and Coach Locke. Please enjoy the show. Greetings and salutations. I would like to welcome everybody back and some of you for the first time to the Full Sport Press podcast, the premier sports podcast for the consummate sports fan. And this is your one-stop shop for all sports-related news and topics. I am Jay Hove. It's your boy Big Jeff. Wheezy in the building. Say what's up, Wheezy. What's up, what's up, what's up? What it do, what it do, what it do? Coach, like running the jewels. Hey, what's up, Cal? What's up, what's up, man? Everybody good? Everybody good out here? Episode 323. We are analyzing 10 current NFL players. They got better after college. FSP style. Always FSP style. Best of the week. Uh, Jeff, what you got? Man, best of the week. Is the first episodes of 808s and Chair Shots has been recorded and is ready for you all to digest and check out. Shout out to my man, Neek. Shout out to the Full Sport Press for allowing us to do that. So I can't wait for y'all to hear and check it out. So, man. Me, 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 me. <clears throat> Coach Locke, what you got? Man, I took my godson fishing the other day. Yesterday, actually, man. You know what I'm saying? We all went out there, caught three nice catfish. Cooked them up, cleaned them up, fried them up. Fire. Had a good time, man. He, he he loves fishing, man. So I always try to take him fishing, man, whenever I can because he likes doing it. So it's a hard matter. Weezy, what you got? Uh, I'm a, I'm a week late because I didn't go last week, but I'm a, I'm gonna I'm sort of go back with it. Harmony's birthday, man. She turned one years old on me, man. One year, man. Another one. Me 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 me. <laughs> huge deal, dog. Yeah, man. She had a actually Father's Day and, and and her birthday was like hand to hand, almost like a couple of days apart. So yeah, it's a pretty good weekend. Happy, happy birthday. My best of the week is Tua Tagovailoa, man. He was on live and informed his followers that his guilty pleasure music was indeed Shania Twain. The video caught the eye of Shania Twain, and she responded and said, guilty pleasure? You should be proud of your good taste, Tua. Tua responded and said, you're still the one, Shania Twain. So that's one of her songs, if you didn't know a little bit of Shania. So shout out to Tua Tagovailoa. He got a heat-seeking missile. Hey, listen. Flippers count. Hey, listen, you don't shoot, you don't score. I've been shooting a long time. <laughs> man, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, worst of the week, Weezy, what you got, man? Oh, my worst of the week, man, is uh, these, uh, this, this, this pandemic, man, is starting to flare up on us a little bit, getting a little flare up. If Jesus coming, he need to come on, man. <laughs> if he coming, he need to come on. Come on, man. I'm asking him, come on if you coming. That's just, come on. What you got, coach? I'm circling back to the fishing, man. You know, my guy's son was with me, but he didn't catch nothing, man. You know, uh-huh. he just got a few bites. So I was, I was kind of felt bad for him, man, because he didn't get to catch nothing, man. You know, even if it's just something small, you know, just to see him catch something would have been better. But, you know, he had a good time. I talked to him about it. He, I did show him how to skin and clean the fish, though, so he enjoyed that. He was really excited about doing that. So, but I hate he didn't catch nothing, man. He just got a few bites. I caught maybe one fish in my life. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've only been fishing twice in my life. But, you, know. was it a, you caught one of them little, little small yeah, it was joints, a little so bit. It was, it was a whole ass fish, man. I'm out about it. My worst of the week, uh, struck out, man. Uh, more, more of a fresher than your average question. I struck out on both pair of low-top questions that came out last week. How about that? Yeah. Both pair. Hey, Jeff, uh, I think God is also looking out because you didn't need them, bro. Them ain't it anyway, so it don't matter. You miss nothing. Uh, my worst of the week is Last Chance You. Netflix announced Tuesday they will close the book on the football seasons during this fifth season as um, Last Chance You will transition to basketball in 2021. Season five follows Laney College in California and is set to be released on July the 28th. Netflix has announced, has not announced which exact program they'll do for basketball, but I've been told it's a 
California-based JUCO programs. We'll Shout see. out to us, man. We reported this a while back in, you know what I'm saying? Go back in the archives and check it out. We was deep in these streets. We reported this a while ago. Keep them going, Coach, for sure. Stat of the week. We have two stats of the week. So shout out to Bryce for the first one. In a story that seems almost too perfect to be true, Southern Cal alumnus and superfan, Giles Pelerin attended 797 consecutive Trojan football games from 1925 to 1998. That is the model of consistency and dedication. So shout out to you, Giles' parent. Woo, that's rough. He might need to get on a real jersey or something. <laughs> something, you yeah, know, he's been good bread. And for the second stat of the week, shout out to my guy Jameson for this fine. Steve Nash was 1% away from averaging 50, 40, 90 for his entire career through 18 seasons in the NBA. Nash shot 49% from the field, 42% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. So, hey, man, you guys are killing this stat of the week-wise. That was a great find by both Bryce and Jameson. And shout out to both of you guys, for sure. Ooh, I know Steve Nash. Sick about that. 1% from that for a career. Does anybody, does, does anybody agree with me Steve Nash's worst career move ever was trying to go to the Lakers? That's the worst thing he could have ever done. They said Nash had been battling back and shoulder, knee issues his entire career. So um, he was just on his last leg in L.A., for sure. He cost Kobe a ring, too. Make sure you check us out on iTunes, Facebook, IG, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Beyond Pod, YouTube, and, of course, the SoundCloud page to catch up on the full archive of past episodes of FSP. Simply search for Sport Press Podcast. After you do that, make sure you check out the On Day TV Hip Hop Podcast with Animal Brown and Spike Blue every Wednesday. The latest issue is up, the Starlito Paternity Leave album review. Y'all make sure y'all go check that out and make sure y'all listen to that Starlito album. Great album. So y'all make sure y'all check all that out. Most definitely. Shout out to the home team. Um, Fresher Than Your Average Podcast, man. Me and my dog Animal Brown, self-help fashion podcast directly related to improving everyday fashion. We have an FTYA IG live show, FTYA Fridays, man. We're back this week. Pull up on us. Hope my guy AB got his uh, Wi-Fi popping. We're going to get that going. We're going to speak that into existence. So we back this Friday. Where your kicks? Top response. Been a bad week for uh, Realville Wi-Fi. This <laughs> it has, bro. It been has. Legit. Been legit lag. Yeah, no, for sure. Next week is our week, for sure. Uh, Jeff, you got 10 good wrestling seconds. I sure do. Let's hit it. All right, man. So Impact Wrestling. We don't cover Impact Wrestling a lot on FSP. But if y'all remember a few months ago, we reported that Impact Wrestling had their first women's champ, first woman win their main world heavyweight championship, Tessa Blanchard. Then like a month or two later, we reported that Tessa Blanchard also was on the racism kick and said some stuff that, you know, yeah. So finally, Impact Wrestling realized they had to let Tessa go. After not reporting, not showing up to certain events, not answering emails. They finally relinquished Tessa Blanchard after 159 days of her being champ. So now she's the most coveted free agent in wrestling, but she's also a racist. So you got to factor in all that when you think about it. That's a Carl Thomas catch 22. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even when you win, ultimately, you lose. She, she's never been more popular up until she started saying some wild stuff. Then she said some wild stuff. Anyway, man, that's rough. That's 10 good wrestling seconds. Tweet us with questions throughout the week. At Full Sport Press, don't forget to comment and give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the YouTube page, on the iTunes page. Please rate and subscribe. More importantly, don't forget to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell a friend. That the revolution will be podcasted. And before we get started, the first half, Wheezy, do you have a Yellow Box of Cheerios award recipient for the listeners? I do. This week's Yellow Box of Cheerio, Yellow Box of Cheerios recipient is Deontay, heavyweight champion, got his ass whooped wilder. He's established himself as one of the best heavyweight boxers of his generation, boasting exceptional record in the ring. But a video of the heavyweight boxer twerking to TLC's creep has gone viral on social media in recent days. The 34-year-old can be seen shirtless 
and showcasing his love for TLC in a video that has been watched over 200,000 times. Wilder and his campus preparing for a third round Wilder versus Fury matchup sometime in late 2020. Jeff, this is your guy. Defend him twerking to TLC's creep. No, no, no. I got no defense. No defense. He's he's on his own with that one. Just like he was on his own blaming it on his suit that he wore to the ring as the reason why he lost the fight. Got nothing to say. Come on, Deontay, man. You can't be out here twerking. Not when you 6'5". Come on, man. You're a champ, dog. No twerking. To this day. To this day. It hurt me, man. He got one job. I'm talking Training, my brain. Training. Take your time training. Come on, man. Just train, man. He made $46 million in 2019, so I think that's the reason why he's just out here twerking like Miley Cyrus. That's crazy. Uh, we used to get that out to him, man. ASAP. Yeah. That's, that's, that's on the way. For sure. Come that. on, man. And right now, we can't do nothing that, that's bringing us down. All uplifting shit, man. Lift us up. Man, what are you doing? Come on. Lift us up. I know we fall down, but what what we do, coach? What we, we do? We get back up. God. Oh, we got to get back up. We got to get back up. Raise <laughs> him up. Raise him up. Raise him up. <laughs> I mean, he did this thing. got to roll on, raise the roof. Man, he come on. Work. He roll. Man, you can bank it and bounce. Yeah, I mean, that's man. a bunch man. of stuff. Yeah, you can. A little Harlem can... shake or something. Yeah. Do something. <laughs> what do you do? What can you do? What can you do? Like, that's a little Harlem shake, girl. With the, you know what I'm saying? Or anything. Dougie, hit that Dougie one time, Weezy. Oh, I ain't doing it. Hey, hey. <laughs> you guys ready to start the first half? Let's go. The first half is underway. Full sport press. First half, the hottest sports news of the past week, like we do each and every week here at the Full Sport Press Podcast. Before we get started, I am Jay Hope. It's your boy, Big Jeff. I'm Weezy. What it do? It's your man, Coach Lock. Lock, we find you on social media, my brother. Man, it's the same as always. Lock underscore the underscore great. That's T-H-A on Twitter and I-G. I let me on Twitter. Where you at, Weezy? Um, FSP underscore Weezy on IG, and I met how Weezy on Twitter. I chilled on Twitter a lot, man. I deleted some things, if you know what. I deleted some things. <laughs> as well you should have, my brother. As well as you should have. Yeah, no, come on. I'm saying I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not coming out the pandemic the same person I was. I deleted some things. Good, Jeff. Where can they find you, my brother? Jay Easley eighty four across all social media platforms. That's a fact. That is a fact. And I'm Jay Hove on Instagram and Twitter. Find me on Twitter. Let's have a conversation. Sure. Um, and it is YouTube.com/slash Full Sport Press Podcast. Join the team. Um, that giveaway is coming sooner than you know it. Let's kick it off, man. First half. It's something probably never talked about in the first half. NASCAR. <sighs> NASCAR said Thursday that after an examination of the Talladega racetrack, showed only one noose in the entire track. It's found in the garage of an African-American driver, the only African-American driver, Bubba Wallace, is in his garage. The noose was first reported Sunday after Wallace spoke out against the prominence of the Confederate flag at his races, and NASCAR launched a full investigation. By Tuesday, the FBI claimed that the news had been in the garage since October, and NASCAR said that after its own investigation had looked at 1,600 garage stalls across 29 racetracks and found 11 ropes with a pull-down rope tied in a knot. Only the one that found in Wallace's stall was fashioned into a actual hanging noose. The question I have for you guys, is this a noose? Yes or no? Damn right it was a noose. Yeah. If it looked like a noose, it's twisted like a noose. It's a damn noose. Like, people are fighting because they don't want to let go of their southern heritage and their, and, their fl- and their flags and all this other stuff. you damn right it was a noose, like you said. Ain't no question <laughs> about it. It's a damn noose. How yeah. is it that all these poor ropes are in these garages, but it just so happens that after this man speaks out about these issues, that he just happens to see a noose in his garage. It's a damn noose. I don't like how they trying to cover it up and say it wasn't a noose. 
I'm glad the pictures came out so everybody can see it's a damn noose. Because it's a damn noose. I, I'm right there with Coach Lock. It's a damn noose. They knew it was a damn noose from the jump. And they put, shouldn't have put a damn noose in this damn uh, garage. And I'm done with it. And I'm right behind Super Pause. It's a damn noose. It's a damn noose. The FBI came out and said it wasn't a functioning noose. But in fact, the noose. What the hell? Yeah, ain't no functioning noose. They, they got a functioning, functioning noose. noose? A noose is a damn noose. Head. Yeah, you you damn right it was a damn noose. And I just applaud NASCAR for being proactive, more proactive in less than a week than the NFL was in five years. That is the applause that I give for NASCAR for at least saying, hey, allegedly, nah, it was a damn noose. You damn right it was a noose. The noose. And that was left there as a message. I was glad to see they walked with him, though. You know, everybody was behind him. Even though I know sprinkled in that crowd, it was some racist somewhere. There's some racists in that crowd that walked, but they knew they could not walk because then they would show their cards to who they really are. So they had to walk. But it was good to see everybody walk on him on the track and to see the yeah. I stand with him on the uh, the grass. That was cool. I'm glad NASCAR didn't do that. Like you said, NASCAR is doing it and handling it the right way for sure. So Damn news, though. Yeah, he has a damn news. Damn. All right, so moving on to some other sports. Um, the all-male HBCU in Atlanta, better known as Morehouse, that competes at an NCAA Division II level, announced Friday that they are canceling all fall sports, which includes for that school, football and cross country. Now, we all know because of the coronavirus that's going on that these things that we're starting to see that we don't typically see. Now, the school said that they will honor all athletic scholarships for athletes impacted by decision, and the school will also seek waivers to get an extra year of eligibility for the athletes affected by missing those games or seasons or dates. Uh, they haven't made a decision about what they're going to do about their winter sports yet, but more than likely uh, winter sports will probably be canceled too in my eyes. Um, they've joined other people that are doing this, you know, Bowden College, Division Three School in Maine, along with Morehouse, are the first to do that. Uh, will we see anybody else cancel their fall sports? A lot of smaller schools are going to make decisions to go ahead and make sure that they are protecting the bottom line because they're one lawsuit away from being shut down. You know, you get a bunch of kids come back like you had at Clemson, 26 kids get coronavirus just because you want to play a damn football game at a school like Morehouse or a school smaller than Morehouse. That school might not be open in the springtime. And we're going to see a lot of other dominoes fall. We just saw Tennessee State have to back out of the D Detroit Classic this year because of the coronavirus as well. So this is just a tip of it. Pause. Super. <laughs> and with the news with Morehouse, you know, canceling fall sports, it came on the, right around the same time that the MEAC, one of the NCAA's two Division One conferences, composed of all HBCUs, was explaining that they would see another program leave their actual conference. But Bethune-Cookman decided to move on to the SWAT. There are real financial issues that weigh in on these conferences. So you have two of the MEAC's premier football powerhouses, North Carolina A&T and Florida A&M, both gone. That game pays out more than a million dollars to each side. This is the reason why we need some of these superior athletes to go to these HBCUs, because they literally do not have the resources to accommodate this pandemic and what's going on. Man, we got to get a way to get our superior athletes back to the HBCUs. Man, uh, Morehouse is, and they, they, luckily Morehouse is starting to see a lot of money come in. We saw uh, the CEO Netflix donated some money to them, and now they just got another $40 million to the study of coronavirus. So Morehouse is one of the schools that normally gets a lot of money donated to them, but you don't see that typically happen with HBCUs like that. So, yeah, Morehouse is getting that, but your other schools are not getting it. Like Jeff mentioned earlier, Tennessee State. Like he said, they canceled the Detroit game, and they also canceled one of their biggest games every year, the Southern Heritage Classic in Memphis. That is one of the biggest games TSU plays every year. So losing out on that game, that's going to cost them even more money. Let's talk about being out of money. So <laughs> moving on to the pros, pro football, I should say. Disgruntled jet safety. Jamal Adams has requested a trade. The Jets are reportedly asking for a first and a third round for, for Adams. It's a nice little haul. 
I know I did get out of the way in Madden. He's now Buffalo Bill on the Madden League. I was just about to say, Jeff, what did you give up for Jamal Adams? You slick stuff? did. Proud of it. Proud of it. Good move for us. Anyway, the two questions I have for you guys. Is Adams worth it? And where do you think he'll start the season? No question that he's worth it. Uh, we gotta know, Jamal Adams has come from a tradition of winning. LSU, he's winning. He, in high school, he's winning. It's hard to deal with losing like that. I don't care how much money you get. I think the timing for Jamal Adams was 100% wrong. He's been unhappy since fall 2019 when there were trade rumors going about. So with so much uncertainty involved in this NFL season, for a player like Jamal Adams who is going to demand $20 million, Jeff, hey, you're going to have to spend $20 million a year to pay him when he reads up on that contract. This is going to be tough for him to go to a team, especially when he has a list of seven to eight teams that he's um, happy to go to. So I think Dallas is the best trading partner because they have a young piece like Lyle Collins who can um, be a person that you can build on that offensive line. I think, you know, of course, do I want him to come to San Francisco? 100%. But the only thing we have to give up is Jaquiski Tart in that first round and the third round. If that can work and he somehow – finds a way to come to San Francisco, by all means, let's do it. But I think Dallas has the biggest piece to give up um, as far as a building piece for a team like the Jets. I don't know if I would want to give that up at San Francisco because our defense is already good. You know, we have a good safety back there. So I would rather just keep that first and third round pick because, like you said, we're going to have to pay him too. So now you're talking about having to pay all these players that we have. And we're not going to be able to pay him all. So we're going to lose some eventually. So even though he's as good as he is, I see him going to Dallas. Uh, I can see Dallas with spending all that and giving up what they want to get him. So I, I just don't think it's valuable him to go to the 49ers and mess up that building, that, that, that rebuilding that they're doing with the already good defense. And then I just it, – it'll be more valuable for him to go to the uh, Cowboys to me. We shall see, man, I'm sure – Probably by the time you guys hear this, he'll be traded to the damn Jacksonville Jaguars or something weird. Like yeah, they're going to bleep all this shit out. Right. <laughs> Before we get started with halftime, let's talk Boogie Cousins. As the NBA prepares to restart the 2019-20 NBA season on July 30th in Orlando, Florida, in the bubble, teams are available to make transactions to prepare for the restart of the season. On the top of that list, available players, Boogie Cousins. Coming off a torn ACL that limited him to zero games this season so far and being cut from the Lakers late in the season, should Boogie Cousins come back and play in the bubble? Absolutely not. If I'm Boogie, I'm so far away from this bubble, it's crazy. I'm running from this bubble. And, and I'm running from and, – and, and I'm saying it's because corona, but really in my head, I know I'm not ready to play. But I'm saying, oh, yeah, I just don't want to trust it because of coronavirus. I'm saying, I'm saying all the good things, but deep down, I know I'm not ready to go play in this bubble right now, and I ain't played in two years. And cut off injury. He ain't ready to play, man. Stay away from the bubble. Watch it on TV. I agree with you, Weezy. I wouldn't play either. Um, because coming back and playing in this bubble is too soon. When you're coming off an injury like that, you need some games under your belt to get back in the form. He's not going to have a lot of games to take to get back in the form that we used to see with him. Now, is he going to be able to bounce back from that injury? We don't know because he's a big. You know, it's different when you're big coming off that kind of injury. But if he comes back and plays in their bubble, there's no grace period. There's no early games in the season for him to get going. You know, when people come back from injuries in the regular season, it's 82 games. People take games off. You know, it's everybody's trying to get the game form and game shape because they've been working out. But it's nothing like getting in game shape by playing a game. He's not going to have that typical time that he would have going and playing this bubble. So I agree with you, Weezy. I would sit it out for sure. There's no positive out of it to me for him to come back and risk a third injury. This would be the second, maybe the third straight. You know, well, he got hurt earlier this year, but if he comes back now, rushing back, it'd be a third injury. There's no need for him to do that. Just take this whole bubble thing out because I don't think the bubble's going to finish anyway, but that's a whole other story. Take the whole bubble out and wait till next year, to the next season, whatever that may be and then get you, you know, a one-year prove deal and, and get back to being buddy. I couldn't disagree more with you guys, man. That's crazy. I don't, that's crazy. Um, yes, he should come back and play. 
And I think you should do it with the Washington Wizards. When Boogie Toys ACL, it was right around this time last year. So he has a full year. It takes eight months to get back from an ACL injury. He is ready to play right now. This can give him two weeks of film that he has not had. The last film that we have for Boogie Cousins, which, he, which you guys want him to go and sign a one, another one-year prove-it deal with, was when he was in the finals in Golden State. And his spurts, he did look good, but you could tell he was playing on one leg. After suffering three very significant injuries, Jeff, like you mentioned, over the past two years, we don't have a clue if Boogie can still play. This was the same player, one of the time was the best players in the entire NBA at the center position. He turns 30 in August. He cannot set out this time right now. He needs to play. You go out there, you have two weeks worth of film. The Wizards aren't going to win any games, but you have film of you killing. You can sign a lucrative deal with two weeks of film, dog. He's been working out and saying that he's, like, everybody's saying Boogie looks good. He's been working out. He's lost weight. Kill with these two weeks with Bill. Prove your worth, man. I think this is the only way he can get the money he deserves. He just ain't ready to play, bro. I'm surprised you're taking up for him after an injury. Usually he's like, take six years off. You just come off an injury. And you, you, yeah. I'm surprised you even taking up for him. Well, you know, at 30 years old, he turns 30 in August, dog. This right. is it. This is it, man. He's going to have to prove that he's worth a lucrative contract. Instead of signing these last two years, he's, you know, he's waited it out, tried to do the thing that you guys are telling him to do, and he signed two one-year prove-it deals. Got injured on both. Prove your ass in this damn bubble. Kill. Go to a team where you're going to get the most run. There's no bigs in Washington. Go there, kill for two weeks. You know you're not going to play the whole time because the team's garbage. You average 18, 19, and 9. Like, oh, Boogie's back. You can sign a better deal compared no to – way. There's no way he's going to average 18 and 19 and 9. He averaged, he averaged 16 and 8 when he played with the, with the uh, Warriors, Weezy. Look it up. I wouldn't bet any. I wouldn't bet any amount of money he don't average no eighteen points in his bubble. If he, if he, if he averaged sixteen and eight on one leg, you don't think he can average eighteen and eight, eighteen and nine on two good not, legs? Not, not, not in his bubble with people ready to run it back. I don't think so. I hope if he plays that he looks good, because if he goes out there them two weeks and looks bad, it's over. He can cancel it at least. His, you know, if he if he goes and starts the season after this one year prove it deal and he's playing. With the Pacers, he looks bad. He's really done. Boogie's not a max player no more. That's over with. The max player is over. I think that's done. We don't think that's – does anybody agree with me? He's not a max player no more. I don't know about that. Hey, 30 years old, man, with the skill set that he has and how good of a basketball player he was prior to those three really big injuries, we don't know that. If he comes back and go in this bubble and average 19 and 9, that ain't going to happen. We'll see. You guys ready to get started with halftime? We're at the midway point. Enjoy all of the halftime festivities. Halftime, in case you missed it, Adrian Peterson plays for the Washington football team. He wants to play four more years in the NFL. In 2024, Adrian Peterson will be 39 years old. His desire to continue playing could be in part that he's chasing Emmitt Smith and his all-time rushing record. Peterson sits with 14,216 career rushing yards, which is fifth all-time, 4,000 behind Emmitt Smith for the all-time record. Peterson would have to average right around 1,035 per year to pass Smith in four seasons. AD rushed for 1,042 in 2018, and with Washington, he earned 898 last year. Should AP play until he's 40? He gonna play twenty forty five. He shouldn't, but he is. AP is still valuable to this day. Like still valuable. Who's gonna pay him at that age to play football? That's the question. We we asking the wrong question. Who's gonna pay him? Frank Gore still got a, a gig, Jeff. But he's not playing for Emmitt Smith record. Y'all know he's playing for that bag because he needs it. Oh, he's playing for a bag. Yeah, he's not playing for pride. I don't know. I th- I, th- I think he's really playing for both. We know he, you're right, Jeff. He does need the money. But I think with him seeing that in sight, I think he really feels that he could reach that. And that is forever with him. If he, if he breaks that record, he'll, everywhere he goes, as the NFL rushing leader, career leader. So I think he really feels that he has a chance to get it. And somebody's going to give him that little money. And they going to, because he's not going to ask for nothing crazy, because he know he won't get that. He'll ask for something good enough where people will be willing to play it. And then he'll go and play. 
just last year, he had more 20-yard rush. There's some really big names that got $10, $11 million a year contracts. Ty Gurley, Aaron Jones, Kamara, and Ezekiel Elliott. The thing that's going to slow him up is the backfield that he's in because it's him, it's Darius Geis, it's Antonio Gibson, it's Bryce Love, it's J.D. McKissick, you got Josh Ferguson. That is a loaded, crowded backfield. I can't see him taking situations from Bryce Love and also Darius Geis to run the ball with A.D., man. That's going to be tough for him, man. I don't think he makes the team this year, y'all. Oh, I'll I, I take him in Tennessee tomorrow. That's a backup to Derrick Henry tomorrow. I would. That makes sense. That makes a lot yeah, of sense. That ain't bad, Weezy. You see Darius Geis, though. You know what I'm saying? So Darius Geis is the next guy up. But he's always injured. Always so, hurt. You right? yeah, always, hurt. always hurt. He got hurt two times last year. Missed his whole rookie year because of a torn ACL. So that's the reason that Adrian Peterson is even there, just in case, because we know Garrett's guys might get hurt. All right, well, let's get started second half, fellas. The second half is underway. Full sport press. Second half, 10 current elite NFL players that got better after college. Before we get started, I am J-Ho. It's your boy, Big J-Ho. It's your boy, Weezy. What it do? It's your man, Coach Lock. All right, fellas, it didn't take an NFL genius to draft players like Ezekiel Elliott, Miles Garrett, or even uh, closely related, recently retired, Andrew Luck, Cam Newtons. I had to throw my dog in there. Tim Jamie Tebow. Ramsey. Tim <laughs> Tebow. You know. Um, you repeated it. <laughs> no. Nah, uh, early in their respective NFL drafts. Those are. You know, you can't miss those guys. But in their case, for every elite NFL player, there's a case, a result of play on the field that some people just didn't blossom in college would hurt their actual draft status and draft stock. But once they got to the NFL, these players found their groove and became very special NFL players. Uh, most of these guys are Hall of Famers, are on their way to Hall of Fame status for sure. On episode 323, we are analyzing 10 current NFL players that became elite NFL players despite not being a household name in college. The first person we would talk about is Rob Gronkowski. Now, here's the thing. Everybody goes to the NFL gets better. There's just no question about that. But there are some players that were in college that were like, you know, Magic Johnson mid. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a thing now. So um, let's, let's kick it off with Rob, man. The Gronk, man, he got drafted in the second round of the NFL draft. But it was very controversial. Nobody was drafting tight ends in 2010, especially coming after a back surgery that made him fall late into the second round. What held him back in college? First of all, I ain't going to let you just scoop by saying Magic Johnson's a <laughs> nah. I'm not going to do it. It was a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> I know it was, it was joke. but I'm still not going to do it. Sometimes you don't joke about <laughs> some stuff. No. Nah. Um, to me, honest, I won't say he was held back in college, to be honest. You're talking about somebody's a first-team all-Pac-12 player and third-team all-American. You know, now, you know, it could have been better as far as the all-American, but still first-team all-Pac-10, that lets you know that you're still doing some things right. Like you mentioned, it's back injury. That held him back for sure. Anybody has a back injury in football, you're going to have questions raised when it's time for the draft to come around. But going into the NFL and playing with somebody like Tom Brady, it's going to naturally help you because Tom Brady has made players that we don't know look good. So you're talking about a, a player that's known, and then you you in a system like that with great offensive coordinator minds that put you in the right positions. You know, he's bound to be great playing in that system and with Tom Brady. Here's the age-old question I would ask. Is it more of Tom Brady being great, or is it more of Bill Belichick's greatness? See, that, that's, that's what I mean being seen this year. We're going we're gonna to better tell that this year. Uh, I think it's more Belichick than Brady myself, but we'll see. We'll see. I think you had a visionary coach who was able to put two tight ends together the gentleman who we don't mention on this show that went to Florida that we're not going to bring up. Rest in peace, Chico. Rest in peace, Chico. Okay, whatever. You put those two together, 
<laughs> and you're able to come up with a dynamic offense that no one has seen before. So that's what helped Gronk the most to me when he came to the league was that the game was changing. You were putting tight ends running wide receiver routes on the field, and most safeties and damn sure not linebackers are fast enough to keep over there. The Pac-10 is a, is a big conference, but back then, that's when the Pac-10 was viewed as, like, soft, and it was like, you know, they was throwing the ball up and down the field. So it needs somebody like Bill Belichick to, to take a chance on him. He made people start looking in, 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 in college for tight ends. That's a good point, Reeves. I like that. That's a good point. Probably one of the first of his kind. Gronk was a dog. Still is a dog. We'll see. Let's move on to Jason Peters. We had to show Jeff some, some offensive line love with JP uh, from Arkansas. Uh, what held him back in college with his four years at Arkansas? He was a second-team All-SEC honor just his senior year. What do you think kind of held him back while during his time at Arkansas? It all, a lot of these guys, Peters included, are going to come down to where you go and are they playing you to your skill set. And that's, you know, and to me, that's what kind of happened. You know, going to Arkansas, being able to hone that for four years and then getting drafted and then look at him. Well, for one, he was recruited as a D lineman. You know, they put him in the wrong spot. You know, Wang would say they put him in the wrong spot, but that's what he was playing. They recruited him. That they even had him play some tight end in college, which is crazy. Now that he's playing left tackle in the NFL. So he just got put in the right spot. He found his niche. Like Jeff, uh, Jay mentioned earlier, you're going to get better in the NFL regardless if you work. But him being undrafted and then to be a Hall of Famer. JP is a Hall of Fame left tackle. To come from where he was at, not even playing offensive linemen, to being a Hall of Famer shows just how hard he was working at his craft. Let me be honest with you. They they gonna look at the offensive line coming from Arkansas before they look at the offensive line coming from Florida State, drafted or undrafted. With SEC, we are gonna get offensive linemen and the only that's, team that's only, a fact, Jeff. And and in a Big Ten, that's it. Big Ten got good offensive line. Yeah, skill positions maybe probably the ACC, but offensive linemen and defensive linemen and corner, hello, is the SEC. Better damn <laughs> know it. Now this list would not be taken seriously if we didn't have Tom Terrific on this list. Um, does anybody want to speak on to what exactly held him back in college? I've been sold on Belichick for years, and I think it's more because Tom seems to me like he's a system guy, systematic guy, not system guy, but systematic guy. Like you tell him exactly what to do, he's going to do it. So Belichick is a overbearing manager where he's over you, like, do it this way, don't do it any other way. And for them too, that works. Tom Brady is just – we really can't judge him on this list because he's just – he's a different – he was different. Uh, he took – once he got there, he took it serious. He started, he started working on his body from day one. And he just – like like Jeff said, he's systematic, man. Uh, he, he's, not a, he's not a crazy athlete. His first year, man, he was fourth on a death chart behind people that went to the lead like Scott Drisbach and Brian Greasy. And then his, his second year, he's still behind Drees back in Greasy. And he only threw five passes in his second year. He registered his freshman year, so he still had three years left. But it was so bad for him. Now, he even thought about transferring. People don't really talk about that. He was thinking about going back home to California and playing at Cal, but just decided, you know what, I'm just going to outwork and see what I can do. And here we are where he is now. And like Weezy mentioned, his body looked terrible. That's one of the pictures that they everybody talk about when he took his picture for the draft. He doesn't look like he plays football in that picture. I agree with a lot of what everybody said. Here's the thing about Tom Brady. And we talk about how great, you know, the great Bill Belichick is. Bill Belichick is a defensive guy. So all of these Teddy Brewskis, um, Vrabels, right now Dante Hightower, Trey Flowers, those players look great because of Bill Belichick's defensive mind. The offensive mind that keeps this offense going are the people that were there, Charlie Weiss. You have Josh McDaniel. That is the reason as to why Tom Brady, that he is great how he is. And I have, people don't speak on Josh McDaniels enough, and we'll see how great Tom is. The good thing, he knows he's going to a quarterback whisper with B.A. because B.A. is just as good as Josh McDaniels with quarterback. So. Belichick gets a lot of credit on the offensive side, and he doesn't have a lot to do with a lot of those offensive things, for sure. For sure. Let's move right along to Alvin Kamara. Um, speak on, Wheezy. I know you're an SEC guy. We'll let the SEC guy speak first. 
speak on um, what kind of hell Elvin Kamara back at, T- at UT and also Alabama. Well, the first thing he, I, I was going to say, the first thing, the best thing he could have done was when he switched from Alabama to go to UT. Uh, that's the that's, that's the best thing. And then the only thing that held him back at UT, um, he pl- he was playing by he was still playing behind somebody at UT. I remember that game. I think it was Texas A and M, and he just went off. And you know, by then Bush Jones was like, "All right, let's get let's, let's get the ball <laughs> to uh, Alvin Kamara," and he it went up from there. Going to Alabama, he was you know projected to be their number two running back as a freshman. Then he had a knee surgery, and that removed him out of the rotation. He transfers goes to JUCO, then goes to UT. He was, he was okay at UT, but never elite. He never reached 700 yards, double-digit touchdowns at all. So that third-round grade that he was drafted at, it was appropriate. But him going to the NFL, which I'll let everybody else speak on, that is the reason as to why we see Alvin Kamara right now because of the system he was going to. Just like Jeff said at the beginning of the second half, it's all about where you go and how they use you when you're there. You think about it, like – Kamara, like going to UT, helped. And we, I remember that game. Like, it was like from that point on, it was a wrap. Like, he was the man at UT. It was his It was his ball, you know, on 80% of the carries. Like, it was just that moment on. And then going to play with Drew Brees and Sean Payton in New Orleans, it just factors into his helping his skill set. You're not going to Alabama as a running back if you're not good. So it just shows how good he was, and he was able to really expose that and show that in the NFL with Drew Brees. You know who was in front of Alvin Kamara in Alabama? Which is – it's King and Drake. And T.J. Yeldon and Derrick Henry. Dude, that is nuts. All NFL backs right now. And if you look at it, King and Drake and Calvin Kamara, it's the same player. That's the same – they do the same thing. They do the same exact things. Yeah. And the thing is, even with Kamara, then we'll move on. I think New Orleans realized that they overused him these last couple of years. And it's a situation, too, if he can stay healthy, they have to find a way to get another back in there to kind of spell him the same way that they used uh, Mark Ingram. Because that's when we saw Kamara at his best, being a number one pseudo two to a great running back. So they need to find a way to use two running backs. Or if not, he's going to always stay injured. We'll never see the Elvin Kamara we saw his rookie year. Hell no. Let's move on to Weezy's guy, Patrick Mahomes. Weezy, what hell back Patrick Mahomes and not be the pseudo number one overall pick in the draft? Like everybody, if we did a redraft of that 2017 draft, everybody would pick Pat Mahomes number one. What held him back in college not to get that number one spot? Uh, what held him back in college was Cliff Kingsbury was a new college coach, and he was trying to make him into this Aaron Rodgers right off the bat because he saw the talent. He threw a lot. He was a baseball player. He threw a lot of interceptions in college. But he uh, he was good, but we but I think it's the same year. Ain't that the same year that Deshaun Watson came out? Yep. So nobody really, you know, nobody was really paying attention to Texas te- Texas Tech when Deshaun Watson was doing his thing. Because he was so innovative as far as like throwing passes side on throwing different ways because of the baseball. And if you said we, they were using that as a knock against right him. Mm-hmm. anybody else. It would be. You know what I'm saying? Because it should be. You shouldn't, as a quarterback, you want to make the most accurate throws you can. I totally agree. But in turn, when it manifested into one of three of the greatest seasons we've seen, or two of the greatest seasons we've seen from a quarterback, now you look like a fool. But when he was coming out of the draft, it made sense to say that, say those things. You think you're talking about the Big 12. You know, we've seen Big 12 teams just running up, hella passing. That's all they do. They throw it 50 times. All the time, but like Jeff mentioned, he was throwing a ball across the field. And what's the one thing you always hear coaches tell quarterbacks? Don't throw the ball back across the field. Well, he was a baseball player, and he had the arm to do it. And all you heard experts saying were, that's not going to translate NFL. They're faster than the NFL. Mahomes put up the big numbers, but his team wasn't good. So mm-hmm. that was another knock. When it's a quarterback, your team is not good. People are going to think that you're not doing it the right way. When actuality, we see who he really was. So I think that hurt him in college and as far as why he didn't get drafted like he would be if he did it all over again. And people were even critical of the Chiefs trading up to get Mahomes at 10. 
And um, their GM came out and had a conversation and said, you know, Pat Mahomes had one of the best workouts he's ever seen. And if any of his scouts said anything about this workout to anybody else, they would be fired immediately. And they knew who they were going to get in the draft for sure. But right now, Pat Mahomes has average years for the rest of his career. He'll still be a Hall of Famer for sure. And here's the thing, too. He's still just figuring out how to read defenses, y'all. Right now. But that's the that's the exact reason why Jordan Love got drafted. Because he looked like, you know, he thought about like Patrick Mahomes. And that will be the reason that Trey Lance from North Dakota State will get drafted right after Justin Fields in the 2020 NFL draft. I'm telling you, that's my yep. guy, Trey Lance, North Dakota State. He just gave him a he just gave him a private shout out. My goodness. That's that's your man. He said Trey, it too. Trey Lance that's is your man. a dog. Watch. He had 28 touchdowns, y'all, last year. Zero. Jay, hold on. Let's let's right here. Wait, I want to say this live on there. You know you called out. You, so you're high on Trey Lance now, and you're high on Justin Fields. Yeah. And, and you're high on Jesus from uh Trevor you know, Lawrence. I, yeah. Trevor Lawrence. I call him Jesus. Trevor Lawrence, right? So. You're taking the top three picks of the next year's draft. No, no. What I'm saying is, so you have a great year. You're not leaving. Like, you're not leaving. anything out there. This is what I'm saying. Twenty-eight touchdowns, zero pick. North Dakota State. Go check him out. He'll be a first-round pick. I Real guarantee. Quick. All right, let's move right along to the next person, which is Russell Wilson. Um, one of the you know unsung heroes from NC State and Wisconsin. And nobody can dispute the fact that Russell Wilson's three straight seasons over 3,000 yards qualified him as a really good quarterback. Still, people were concerned about his future, given how small he was. Was he going to be able to transfer to the NFL? Um, do you guys think of – can you guys think of anything that kind of held him back in college other than his height? That was it. That, that to me, that was it. Um, was the side that was his biggest knock. And then Seattle did – Seattle changed the way people drafted and built teams because they were one of the first teams to do we get the quarterback on the rookie contract and spend the money everywhere else and allow the quarterback to grow. And now you allow your quarterback to grow, not take those beatings from – you know what I mean? Well, he his offensive line has been great, but he hasn't taken those beatings that other quarterback top picks have. And now you have a perennial MVP candidate every year. And Russell Wilson. Shout out to Sierra. Honestly, I don't think Russell Wilson college. I don't think it held him back. That that one year he had at Wisconsin was it can go down as top was one of the best one years that we've seen, uh, arguably. Um, wait, wait, wait. Now him having a good year in Wisconsin is a as you said a top five one year in college football history. Yeah, for what he did to the program, absolutely. I think so. They the went out of here. Not stat wise, just impact stat, the program. No, I'm not saying he put up. I'm not saying he put up Cam Newman stats like that. But that team when it went to the yeah, yeah. But that's that. all right. Well, I say that. But that team when it went to the Rose more without Russell Wilson. Y'all got it. Y'all got my drill. And I right. think that's one of the things that hurt him too. Uh, scouts looked at him as he's already small, and then he transferred from North Carolina State to Wisconsin. So what is it that he left? Why did he leave here? Could he not win the job? Keep the job there? And then Wisconsin is known as a power running team. So, you know, your quarterbacks typically coming out of Wisconsin don't go to the NFL. And so, and then Russ <laughs> came in and took that gig. Like a third round pick coming in, starting on a perennial Super Bowl team because that defense was loaded. So he was there that first year, just being a game manager, not messing up. And what did he do? Man. They got a Super Bowl out of it, so on a third-round pick. So he definitely was always that good. I just think that uh, he found his way uh, with Pete Carroll, who was also a should really have good quarterback. Yeah, he should have, too. Should Pete have Carroll too. took that one from him. Cost him a lot of money in that second loss. He cost a lot of money. Back, though. Let's move on to Tyreek Hill, man. Started out at Oklahoma State. Finished at West Alabama. Um, it's kind of obvious what held back Tyreek Hill. He played for three different schools. Started at Garden City Community College, then went on to Oklahoma State, then caught a domestic violence case when he was at uh, West Alabama. All that drove his stock down to a fifth-round pick. 
and the Chiefs decided to roll the dice only to become one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Weezy thinks he is a gimmick wide receiver, which is the craziest shit I've ever heard in my life. What anything else you guys think that kind of held him back in college that we didn't see the best of Tyreek Hill? No, we didn't see we didn't see him in college enough. You don't see that speed every day. World player. That's that's a different ball game right there. And of course, the personal off the field stuff was what held him back in college and the schools he was you know he was able to attend. You're not going to see them on the primetime games on ESPN. (laughs) So. and then getting that type of talent in a fifth round draft pick and understanding what to do with it and understanding the put, what positions uh, to put him in, that's what happened. Because if he gets drafted earlier than the fifth round and goes somewhere that needs him to be an every down wide receiver, I don't think this story is written the same way. You find out this kid can run past anybody on the field, and then you just tell him you run past everybody on the field. Don't do nothing else. Just run past everybody. And then you got Pat Mahomes who can throw it out 70 yards at the drop of a dime, man. So it's a match made in heaven. And I think Tyreek Hill is underrated in the greatest scheme of things because he's never mentioned in that top five wide receiver category from a lot of people because they said and look at, um, you know, the fact that he's playing with the great Patrick Mahomes. But tell you what, man, a lot of this Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill talk, we ain't talking about Andy Reid and Big Red got a lot to do with that. Exactly what I was about to say. He is the perfect player in that Andy Reid scheme, especially with all the weapons they have. Because you got Kelsey on the other side that you can put anywhere on the field. So when you take a guy like Tyreek Hill, who, like Jeff mentioned, has track speed, but also is an athlete and has the footwork. Because we've seen a lot of guys go to NFL play wide receiver with speed, but they don't have the footwork. They're not elusive. Tyreek Hill is all of that. He's an athlete. Not only will he outrun you, but he'll jump up and get a jump ball on you, too, that a lot of people don't talk about just because he's so great running that fly route and outrunning people. I've seen him go up and maul some people that you wouldn't expect him to do just because he's an athlete also. So all of that put into one, he's exactly what people figured he would be. Let's, I mean, let's be real. He didn't go to Oklahoma State in the Power 5 conference for no reason at that size. Let's move on to another SEC killer. Geno Atkins. With Geno being at uh, Georgia, he was named All-SEC after his first year at Georgia. He seemed like a can't-miss prospect, top five pick, soon as he's cleared to play in the NFL. He failed to repeat All-SEC honors the next two years at Georgia, then fell to the fourth round of the 2010 NFL draft. What held him back in college? I think he played, he played out of his mind. And once you set that standard, I think that's the only thing that held him back. That's what happened. It's like the kid was great, and he still had a decent college career after that after that great season. But, you know, he just didn't live up to that hype. Yeah, he, he didn't live up to that hype at all. You know, his last two years were nowhere near the first year. And then I think in 2010, that was a year for defensive tackles. That's when Sue got drafted and Gerald McCoy got drafted. So – you had other players who were coming off of great years that year that helped put them ahead of him. Sure. And Geno Atkins, along with Aaron Donald, revolutionized the small D tackle in the NFL. Without those two guys, you know, you're looking at Sue. You're looking at uh, your guys like Gerald McCoy, these big monstrous dudes, 6'5", 6'6", that are beasts. They revolutionized the game. And I don't think Geno Atkins gets enough credit for what he brought to the NFL game, being an undersized D tackle and found his way to kill man in Cincinnati. He will be a Hall of Famer for sure. Let's move on to Richard Sherman, man. Moved on and went to Stanford. Um, The funny thing about Richard Sherman, he was never supposed to have an NFL career like this. He was a a three-star recruit, he was a wide receiver. And he went and asked Coach Harbaugh, how am I going to play? here at Stanford, because if not, I'm going to leave. He decided to pick up uh, the other side of the ball, and the rest is history. What kind of held Richard Sherman back in college? But I want to, like, applaud him for doing that, and I applaud uh, Stanford for allowing him to do that, too, because I always wondered how defenses were going to counteract those big receivers. Like, you didn't really have 
the bigger corners on the, I, and I understand the technique aspect of it because your hips got to open up more the gate and things like that. You want to be close to the ground. I get it. I understand that. But uh, we even mentioned the term earlier in the coach lock said you get mossed as a as a receiver mossing you like you need a bigger corner and allow Richard Sherman to convert from wide receiver to cornerback at his size. That's what to me that you know we were talking about players whose size has hurt them from college going to the pro. To me, what helped Richard Sherman the most was his size going from college to the pro was that he was he was not your prototypical five nine, five ten, five eleven, maybe six foot corner. He was six three, you know, had some size on and and, and decent speed. And I think playing playing that Pac twelve, it wasn't really a lot of corners playing the Pac twelve. Still still not to this day, really. Great corners anyway. So that's what I think. If you would have gone into Stanford playing that position from the jump, it wouldn't have, you know, he would have had a lot of more film at that position. Even though he had great years when he did change to those positions, it still was like Jeff mentioned. You didn't see a lot of big corners like that. But I and I think his smarts, being intelligent on the field, helped with that. And then we saw early in his career that scheme helped him out a lot too. It's a lot easier to play that corner when you don't have to chase to the other side and you have those two safeties sitting over the top of you. Don't get me wrong, Rich Sherman is good. I give him that, but. It's just a lot easier to do that when you have two killers sitting over the top of you playing safety. And the thing is with Sherman, just like another uh, great cornerback, you recognize, okay, I got to find my way to get on the field. And Joe Hayden, I never played defense his entire high school career. Not once. Joe Hayden never played defense. So he gets uh, Urban Meyer and he, you know, he's like, hey, how am I going to play football at Florida? And I knew that name was going to get brought up. What did he do? He came in, started as a freshman at cornerback, became one of the best corners in SEC history. And uh, the, the rest is history. Coming from a player that has never played defense. He played quarterback in high school in D.C. And you go to Florida and play cornerback, you just got to be a special athlete, play 11, 12 years in a position that you've never played. And it just shows how smart and how much of a great athlete that Richard Sherman is. Because he says the game is slowing down to him now in 2020. And to go from unknown to elite, uh, Richard Sherman is the epitome of that. Fifth-round pick, man. That's crazy, 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 crazy. Let's move on, man. Let's move right along to Aaron Rodgers. The list would not be complete without a player like Aaron Rodgers on this list. Um, the former junior college quarterback, Cal quarterback, never won all-conference awards in the Pac-10 at the time. but still found his way. What held him back in college in the Pac-10? He came up in that Matt Lyon and USC era. That's what he did. And that's exactly what that's exactly what held him back. He went to junior college and them boys was one of the 50 on, on on their opponents. That's what that's what held him back. And and think about it, he wasn't highly recruited. You know, mm-hmm. he, he went JUCO. So you know going JUCO and then going to Cal, you know, he didn't have a lot of hype coming out of high school. Didn't nobody really know who he was until he had the year he had at Cal. And then his height, he wasn't really tall as a quarterback. You know, back then, quarterbacks were tall. So all of that played a part in holding him back. He got to learn the system as a pro for three years, watch a team get built behind an aging quarterback while their aging quarterback still kept them in contention, and then step in and lead the team that was really built for him. You know what I'm saying? So I think that helped in ways that we can never, ever overstep. Like like him being able to sit and then right when Brett Favre is ready, or not ready, because he played two two more years after, maybe three, after he left the, the Packers. But him being able to step in with a team that's ready made for him and they have no, they have not to deal with those expectations, but know the offense, know how to run the things, and it's right there catered towards him. It was perfect for him. That's why he had a perfect situation where he just stepped into a mid, he stepped into, he stepped into a Ferrari. He stepped into a Ferrari. And that's how he got that Super Bowl so early, too. Sure. I think one of the biggest travesties in professional sports is that Aaron Rodgers only having one NFL ring. Like to be as great as he is in the team not putting the pieces around him to be successful, not drafting high wide receivers, not drafting a really good running back, not really drafting the extra tools, free agency, to help Aaron Rodgers and to continue to put him out there 
and him making Jordy Nelson's, Devontae Adams. Bro, just imagine if he was able to get a Mike Evans or if he was able to get a running back like Le'Veon Bell, um, somebody look, like that. Look what he did for Randall Cobb. I mean, come on, man. The, the list goes on as to how great he made the players. He never had a first-round wide receiver, never had a first-round running back drafted, dog, while he was there. No skill positions on offense. That is the travesty of all. Let's close things out, man. Weezy, your guy, Odell Beckham Jr., LSU. (laughs) He didn't really shine at LSU until his junior year. What held him back in college? Uh, he played with less miles than that than that crazy running game. They just that's not that's not the answer. That's not the answer. No. What held him back? What held him back then? He ain't had no quarterback. What that too? Yeah, for sure. What that too? But he less also played miles too. Less miles too, though. I'm not gonna give you. I'm not gonna shoot you some bill with that. Less miles is a terrible. Like, spread him out, throw the ball. He was six in a cloud of dust. You're 100% correct about that. But to not have a quarterback when you have the the talent that was on that team is crazy. Go ahead, Wiz. Yeah, he just he, – what y'all said, yeah, he didn't have a quarterback for sure. They, they never had a quarterback until this year, until Joe Burrow. Me, me, me. But one, one story about uh, Odell Beckham real quick. I watched him play a game, I think it was against Georgia, and he was taking the, he was taking the, the kickoff. And it was a touchback. And I seen him. This is in college. You can YouTube this too. I seen him in college. This is in college. He the, the kickoff was went out of bounds, right? He wasn't ready to return. It was gonna be a touchback. And I, I think I called him if it was Jay or Ray. I called somebody. I, said, I just seen him make a crazy catch that ain't gonna get no pull. And that's why I still, and that's when I fell in love with Odell Beckham Jr. That day. He you called, called Odell Beckham Jr. Ain't no question. I can't give you credit about him. We had a draft, and we were talking about who's going to be a killer in this draft. He said, Odell Beckham Jr. is the steal of this draft. That is your calling call. I give you credit when credit is deserved. I tend to don't get any credit when I make calls. So it's all good, though. I don't need it. I just know I know what I call. Oh, all right. <laughs> you call three quarterbacks for next year already. I know that. With, with Odell, to me, with Odell, we just said it all. That offense, that quarterback, that coach, it was not built for a flashy make any catch wide receiver. It was built for a running game and a wide receiver who just stands there and runs, runs ragged wilds. Almost similar to the wing tee that the Titans run right now. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was coming, Weezy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, less than quarterbacks. When you don't recruit quarterbacks, you're not going to get none. It's no way you play in the SEC as good as your team is that you can't recruit a quarterback. But the reason he couldn't was because everybody knew he was just going to run the ball to everybody. You're going to continue to hand the ball off, hand the ball off. So as a quarterback, you don't want to go to a school where all I'm going to do is hand the ball off and throw it every once in a while. So they could never get a quarterback in. But just think about you got Odell Beckham, and Jarvis Landry on the other side, and you don't have nobody to throw the ball to him, that's ridiculous. But, Coach, I'm a, I can't give less. I can't cut him no bell with this, dog. He had Ryan Perilou, who he thought he was going to be the dog of all dogs. He had a bunch of uh, mediocre uh, Coker brothers and uh, Clawson brothers. Listen, he had some players that were supposed to be, um, you know, transcendent talent. <laughs> They said Ryan Perilou. Ryan Perilou came out and said that he was going to win three Heisman at LSU. He did? Yeah, he no, did. for sure. Yeah. Oh, he, 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 he did get Jamarcus Russell, too, though. Did he yeah, get Jamarcus Russell? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, he had He fooled – Ryan Perilou fooled me. And I, he, fooled, he, clearly, he clearly fooled everybody. This is the thing. He had players. He just can't develop quarterbacks. And that is a talent that only goes to a couple of coaches in, NFL, in college history. And Nick Saban ain't one of them. Les Miles ain't one of them at all. I'm not going to let you say that. Urban Miles on a quarterback whisper. He's not. At, what are you – what? I'm t- college. What we're talking about is college. No, 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 no. 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 Urban, Urban Meyer is no. an offensive great mind. That For his system. Position. For yeah. his system. That's what that is. That's what that is. Uh, why do why you think his quarterbacks never turn in or nothing in the NFL? 
Yeah, Urban Meyer can do something for his system, but not as a quarterback. No, 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 no. Is is here's a question I have for you guys, and then we because we run way long. Is Urban Meyer a college coach or is he a professional coach? Just the same thing. Just answer the question. College. Okay. So in turn, let's just keep it a bean. Coach K has players in the NBA. Listen. Okay. No, no, no. I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna listen to that you shit because may- you're the, you the, you the first person to always say that. Man, I'm I'm judging them off their career in the NFL. I'm not just going to show you always say that. So no. What are we we're, what we're talking about is good college players. No That's his players. job. That's his job. Tim Tebow is the best college quarterback we've ever seen. That was his job. I wish this thing freeze up right now. It won't freeze you know, when it needs to freeze. I wish this thing freeze up. Cuz that is another show. The Full Sport Press Podcast. I just don't understand. We, we, we have to – I get it. I, I do it all the time, right? I do it all the time. I say all the time. Oh, he's going to be terrible. He's going to be nothing. Oh, we know. In the NFL. That's right. <laughs> but, what we, but we can only grade these coaches off of what they develop in college. Oh, That's what we If they, if they develop them so great in college, they would be good in the NFL. That's not true. That's not true. It is true. Because Tim true. Tebow is a is one of, if not the best college quarterback we've ever seen, right? He's people, no, he, he, people he didn't develop him to be a good pro. Give me a coach that develops NFL players, bro, at the quarterback position. Nobody does that. You get quarterbacks to play your system. When they there is no way that you can sit and say, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna get Weezy to play quarterback," and he goes to the damn Jacksonville Jaguars. He can't play in the Jaguars system. That's what watch what Joe Burrow look like. Watch. You you better hope. Oh, I know. I feel real good about that one. Let's, let's go on. So <laughs> another show. We another good it. one. That's a great show, man. Listen, y'all don't know how close we were to not even having this damn show. Um man. a great, great show. A great show, man. Very informative. Let us know. Did we forget? We couldn't have a list of 15 to 20 people. So we picked yeah, And we got 10 of the – and I think all of these guys will end up being Hall of Famers. Even Alvin Kamar. I really do. Mm. I think so. If he stays healthy, I can see that. Yeah, for sure. If he stays healthy. 100%. Yeah, man. We appreciate everybody retweeting, liking, telling the friend, checking us out on YouTube. Checking us out everywhere. We appreciate all that love, man. Keep telling a friend for us, please. Sure, and tune in to our IG Live each and every Wednesday. It's a, it's a great time. Uh, it's fun time. And, uh, you know, for sure, tune in. You never know what we're going to get, you know. Some people have been doing podcasts five, six years. Can't close out a IG Live. Unbelievable. Ooh. Now, tweet oh. us with the questions throughout the week it's at Cool Sport Press. Don't forget to comment and give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the YouTube page. <laughs> on the iTunes page, please rate and subscribe. But more importantly, don't forget to tell a friend. To tell a friend. Tell a friend, man. Trust no fucking body. To tell a friend to be looking out for that giveaway also. For sure, a lot. Wheezy. Everything paid for, baby. It is. Jeff. The camera is always on. It's 100% is. Coach Lock. Get a drummer song. So, man, the revolution will be podcasted. Cameraman, we are out. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Thank you for listening to the Full Sport Press Podcast. To catch up on prior episodes, visit the SoundCloud page. And don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend. The revolution will be podcasted.